0: volume one part one chapter fifty of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes Saavedra, translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter fifty of the shrewd controversy which don quixote in the canon held together with other incidents a good joke that returned don quixote books that have been printed with the king's license and with the approbation of those to whom they have been submitted and read with universal delight and extolled by great and small rich and poor learned and ignorant gentle and simple in a word by people of every sort of whatever rank or condition they may be that these should be lies and above all, when they carry such an appearance of truth with them, for they tell us the father, mother, country, kindred, age, place, and the achievements step by step and day by day performed by such and such a knight or knights. Hush, sir, utter not such blasphemy. Trust me, I am advising you now to act as a sensible man should. Only read them, and you will see the pleasure you will derive from them. For come, tell me can there be anything more delightful than to see as it were here now displayed before us a vast lake of bubbling pitch with a host of snakes and serpents and lizards and ferocious and terrible creatures of all sorts swimming about in it while from the middle of the lake there comes a plaintive voice saying knight whosoever thou art who beholdest this dread lake if thou wouldst win the prize that lies hidden beneath these dusky waves prove the valor of thy stout heart and cast thyself into the midst of its dark burning waters else thou shalt not be worthy to see the mighty wonders contained in the seven castles of the seven fays that lie beneath this black expanse and then the night almost ere the awful voice has ceased, without stopping to consider, without pausing to reflect upon the danger to which he is exposing himself, without even relieving himself of the weight of his massive armor, commending himself to God and to his lady, plunges into the mist of the boiling lake. And when he little looks for it, or knows what his fate is to be, he finds himself among flowery meadows, with which the Elysian fields are not to be compared." The sky seems more transparent there, and the sun shines with a strange brilliancy, and a delightful grove of green leafy trees presents itself to the eyes and charms the sight with its verdure, while the ear is soothed by the sweet, untutored melody of the countless birds of gay plumage that flit to and fro among the interlacing branches. Here he sees a brook whose limpid waters, like liquid crystal, ripple over fine sands and white pebbles that look like sifted gold and purest pearls. There he perceives a cunningly wrought fountain of many-colored jasper and polished marble, here another of rustic fashion, where the little mussel shells and the spiral white and yellow mansions of the snail, disposed in studious disorder, mingled with fragments of glittering crystal and mock emeralds make up a work of varied aspect where art imitating nature seems to have outdone it suddenly there is presented to his sight a strong castle or gorgeous palace with walls of massy gold turrets of diamond and gates of jacinth in short so marvellous is its structure that though the materials of which it is built are nothing less than diamonds carbuncles rubies pearls gold and emeralds the workmanship is still more rare and after having seen all this what can be more charming than to see how a bevy of damsels comes forth from the gate of the castle in gay and gorgeous attire such that were i to set myself now to depict it as the histories describe it to us i should never have done and then how she who seems to be the first among them all takes the bold knight who plunged into the boiling lake by the hand and without addressing a word to him leads him into the rich palace or castle and strips him as naked as when his mother bore him and bathes him in lukewarm water and anoints him all over with sweet-smelling unguents and clothes him in a shirt of the softest sandal all scented and perfumed while another damsel comes and throws over his shoulders a mantle which is said to be worth at the very least a city and even more how charming it is then when they tell us how after all this they lead him to another chamber where he finds the table set out in such style that he is filled with amazement and wonder to see how they pour out water for his hands distilled from amber and sweet-scented flowers how they seat him on an ivory chair to see how the damsels wait on him all in profound silence how they bring him such a variety of dainties so temptingly prepared that the appetite is at a loss which to select to hear the music that resounds while he is at table by whom or whence produced he knows not and then when the repast is over and the tables removed for the knight to recline in the chair picking his teeth perhaps as usual and a damsel much lovelier than any of the others to enter unexpectedly by the chamber door and seat herself by his side and begin to tell him what the castle is and how she is held enchanted there and other things that amaze the knight and astonish the readers who are perusing his history but i will not expatiate any further upon this as it may be gathered from it that whatever part of whatever history of a knight-errant one reads it will fill the reader whoever he be with delight and wonder and take my advice sir and as i said before read these books and you will see how they will banish any melancholy you may feel and raise your spirits should they be depressed for myself I can say that since I have been a knight-errant, I have become valiant, polite, generous, well-bred, magnanimous, courteous, dauntless, gentle, patient, and have learned to bear hardships, imprisonments, and enchantments. And though it be such a short time since I have seen myself shut up in a cage like a madman, I hope by the might of my arm, if heaven aid me and fortune thwart me not, to see myself king of some kingdom where i may be able to show the gratitude and generosity that dwell in my heart for by my faith senor the poor man is incapacitated from showing the virtue of generosity to any one though he may possess it in the highest degree and gratitude that consists of disposition only is a dead thing just as faith without works is dead for this reason i should be glad were fortune soon to offer me some opportunity of making myself an emperor, so as to show my heart in doing good to my friends, particularly to this poor Sancho Panza, my squire, who is the best fellow in the world, and I would gladly give him a county I have promised him this ever so long, only that I am afraid he has not the capacity to govern his realm. Sancho partly heard these last words of his master, and said to him, Strive hard you, Senor Don Quixote, to give me that county so often promised by you, and so long looked for by me, for I promise you there will be no want of capacity in me to govern it. And even if there is, I have heard say there are men in the world who farm signories, paying so much a year, and they themselves taking charge of the government, while the Lord, with his legs stretched out, enjoys the revenue they pay him, without troubling himself about anything else. That's what I'll do and not stand haggling over trifles, but wash my hands at once of the whole business, and enjoy my rents like a duke, and let things go their own way. That, Brother Sancho, said the canon, only holds good so far as the enjoyment of the revenue goes. But the Lord of the signory must attend to the administration of justice, and here capacity and sound judgment come in, and above all a firm determination to find out the truth for if this be wanting in the beginning the middle and the end will always go wrong and god as commonly aids the honest intentions of the simple as he frustrates the evil designs of the crafty i don't understand those philosophies returned sancho panza all i know is i would i had the county as soon as i shall know how to govern it for i have as much soul as another and as much body as any one and i shall be as much king of my realm as any other of his AND BEING SO, I SHOULD DO AS I LIKED, AND DOING AS I LIKED, I SHOULD PLEASE MYSELF, AND PLEASING MYSELF, I SHOULD BE CONTENT, AND WHEN ONE IS CONTENT, HE HAS NOTHING MORE TO DESIRE, AND WHEN ONE HAS NOTHING MORE TO DESIRE, THERE IS AN END OF IT. SO LET THE COUNTY COME, AND GOD BE WITH YOU, AND LET US SEE ONE ANOTHER, AS ONE BLIND MAN SAID TO THE OTHER. THAT IS NOT BAD PHILOSOPHY, THOU ART TALKING, SANCHO, SAID THE CANON, BUT FOR ALL THAT THERE IS A GOOD DEAL TO BE SAID ON THIS MATTER OF COUNTIES. To which Don Quixote returned, I know not what more there is to be said. I only guide myself by the example set me by the great Amadis of Gaul, when he made his squire count of the Insula Ferme, and so without any scruples of conscience, I can make a count of Sancho Panza, for he is one of the best squires that ever knight errant had. The canon was astonished at the methodical nonsense, if nonsense be capable of method, that Don Quixote uttered at the way in which he had described the adventure of the knight of the lake at the impression that the deliberate lies of the books he read had made upon him and lastly he marvelled at the simplicity of sancho who desired so eagerly to obtain the county his master had promised him by this time the canon's servants who had gone to the inn to fetch the sumpter mule had returned and making a carpet in the green grass of the meadow serve as a table they seated themselves in the shade of some trees and made their repast there. That the carter might not be deprived of the advantage of the spot, as has been already said. As they were eating, they suddenly heard a loud noise, and the sound of a bell that seemed to come from among some brambles and thick bushes that were close by. and the same instant they observed a beautiful goat, spotted all over black, white, and brown, spring out of the thicket with a goat herd after it, calling to it and uttering the usual cries to make it stop or turn back to the fold. The fugitive goat, scared and frightened, ran towards the company as if seeking their protection, and then stood still, and the goatherd coming up seized it by the horns and began to talk to it as if it were possessed of reason and understanding. "'Ah, oh, wanderer, wanderer, spotty, spotty, how have you gone limping all this time?' What wolves have frightened you, my daughter? Won't you tell me what is the matter, my beauty? But what else can it be except that you are as she and cannot keep quiet? A plague on your humors and the humors of those you take after. Come back, come back, my darling. And if you will not be so happy, at any rate you will be safe in the fold or with your companions. For if you who ought to keep and lead them go wandering astray in this fashion, what will become of them? The goat-herd's talk amused all who heard it but especially the canon, who said to him, As you live, brother, take it easy, and be not in such a hurry to drive this goat back to the fold, for being a female, as you say, she will follow her natural instinct in spite of all you can do to prevent it. Take this morsel and drink a sup, and that will soothe your irritation, and in the meantime the goat will rest herself. And so saying, he handed him the loins of a cold rabbit on a fork. The goatherd took it with thanks, and drank and calmed himself, and then said, i should be sorry if your worships were to take me for a simpleton for having spoken so seriously as i did to this animal but the truth is there is a certain mystery in the words i used i am a clown but not so much of one but that i know how to behave to men and to beasts that i can well believe said the curate for i know already by experience that the woods breed men of learning and shepherds huts harbor philosophers at all events senor returned the goatherd they shelter men of experience and that you may see the truth of this and grasp it, though I may seem to put myself forward without being asked, I will, if it will not tire you, gentlemen, and you will give me your attention for a little, tell you a true story which will confirm this gentleman's words, and, he pointed to the curate, as well as my own. To Do this, Don Quixote replied, seeing that this affair has a certain color of chivalry about it, I, for my part, brother, will hear you most gladly.' and so will all these gentlemen from the high intelligence they possess and their love of curious novelties that interest charm and entertain the mind as i feel quite sure your story will do so begin friend for we are all prepared to listen i draw my stake said sancho and will retreat with this pasty to the brook there where i mean to vittle myself for three days for i have heard my lord don quixote say that a knight-errant squire should eat until he can hold no more whenever he has the chance because it often happens them to get by accident into a wood so thick that they cannot find a way out of it for six days and if the man is not well filled or is alforhouse well stored there he may stay as very often he does turned into a dried mummy thou art in the right of it sancho said don quixote go where thou wilt and eat all thou canst for i have had enough and only want to give my mind its refreshment as i shall by listening to this good fellow's story it is what we shall all do said the canon and then begged the goatherd to begin the promised tale the goatherd gave the goat which he held by the horns a couple of slaps on the back saying lie down here beside me spotty for we have time enough to return to our fold the goat seemed to understand him for as her master seated himself she stretched herself quietly beside him and looked up in his face to show him she was all attention to what he was going to say and then in these words he began his story. End of volume one part one chapter fifty recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.